the hard shoulder on Newstalk with Nissan's big electric switch. Scrappage is now available on your old car when you switch to a 100% electric Nissan Leaf. Time for another edition of Fact or Fable. Shane Hannan from Off the Ball joins me, as he does this time every week, to confirm or to rubbish some of the most popular myths and truths out there. So far, we've had some great ones. The Guinness diet, where the yawning is contagious, the five-second rule, can cows walk downstairs? Apparently they can, Shane revealed last week. All of the podcasts are in the Hard Shoulder podcast section up in the News Talk app, powered by Go Loud. This week, Shane Hannan seeks to answer this question. Can you really beat the breathalyzer. Shane, this is a great one. And you, you hear so many urban myths about how to beat the breathalyzer. Maybe first of all, we'll start with what might seem like an obvious question. What exactly is the breathalyzer? How does it work? What is it measuring? Yeah, definitely an interesting one this week here. And, and first of all, we should say, we need to be clear, we don't condone or encourage anyone to attempt to beat the breathalyzer test and just look, quite simply, don't drink and drive. But what this is, I guess, is a scientific look at whether or not this breathalyzer test can be beaten at all. So, it's important we make that clear off the bat. But yeah, as you said, like everyone thinks they know what uh, the, the breath al- alcohol test consists of. But the history of it is quite interesting here. And so it started in, in the 1940s in America. So they, I guess, wanted to non-invasively evaluate people's intoxication levels. So it, it's a bit easier on a roadside than taking someone's blood or urine samples, obviously. So uh, it's a bit more of a simple way to do it. Now used across the world, of course. And it measures the amount of ethanol in the breath. So Scientists out there listening today will know that ethanol is a very small water-soluble molecule, so it readily absorbs through the tissue of the stomach into blood vessels. It's a very volatile chemical, so uh, when the alcohol-saturated blood passes through the the capillaries in the lung's alveoli, some of this ethanol will diffuse and mix into the gases of the lung. So essentially, when you're exhaling into a breathalyzer, a beam of infrared radiation passes through the the collection chamber, and they they then work out how much of that infrared radiation was absorbed by the ethanol. So that kind of uh, gives us a readout of uh, the amount of ethanol in the volume of blood. So that's essentially how it works. Now, oh, we know that the, the limits in Ireland are, are quite low. At yeah, the what, moment, what, are, what are the limits? Because they've changed the, uh, over the years. They certainly have. And like the legal limit at the moment, fully licensed drivers, it's 50 milligrams of alcohol per 100 milliliters of blood. And then if you're a professional driver or a taxi driver or whatever else, or a learner driver, it's actually less, 20 milligrams of alcohol per 100 milliliters of blood. So really, like if you have a glass of wine or, or a bottle of beer, a pint of beer, you're going to be over the limit. So right now it's fairly stringent rules here in Ireland. All right. Okay. So th- those are the, the standards in Ireland. In, in terms of the breathalyzer then and this infrared beam that they're passing through your breath as it passes through the system, how accurate is it? Is it 100% accurate? Like they say that th- th- it kind of varies from commercial to professional. So the professional roadside uh, breath test that the guard they use are fairly close to accurate. Now, the ones you might have at home, some people listening today may have those uh, breathalyzers, the off-the-shelf breathalyzers that they use to kind of test themselves. Um, but the accuracy of breath test results can vary substantially, which is quite interesting. So they're divided into the two categories, the personal use and the professional grade ones, which offer extremely high accuracy and sensitivity. They have fuel cell, uh, fuel cell sensor technology. So that's that, that's why it's just a little bit more accurate. Um, but the ones that that use the semiconductor sensors are the ones that we, we kind of use on a personal level at home. Uh, they need to be calibrated. A lot of people who own them at home will know that they need to calibrate them every so often. Uh, but they do measure other things, and they aren't always 100% accurate. So what what else can they measure? Yeah, well, it's a straight like some of them are, are quite obvious. But if you have anything that has a small amount of alcohol 
uh, in it that can produce a false positive. So I'm thinking along the lines of mouthwashes, uh, toothache medications, uh, and then they can measure uh, compounds that are similar in molecular structure to alcohol. You have acetone, which is actually automatically in the breath of people who are diabetic, uh, people on a high protein diet. And then also false results can come from paint fumes, varnish, uh, cleaning chemicals, and even some plastics and, and uh, adhesives. So not 100% accurate, but fairly close. All right. Like, so these are the things then that can uh, influence it. Uh, there's a common idea peddled then that they don't work as well on, on smokers as well as they do on non-smokers. Any truth in that? This is strange because when I looked this up, I was thinking that I've, I've heard this this kind of urban myth before that uh, they don't work as well on smokers, but it's actually uh, quite the opposite. So acetaldehyde is this organic compound that um, occurs in higher levels in the lungs of smokers than non-smokers. And some of these lower cost breathalyzers uh, may be affected by these high acetaldehyde levels. So uh, according to, to DUI defense attorneys in the US, many people believe that smoking a cigarette can trick a breathalyzer uh, but this this will will backfire inevitably if you try it because when cigarettes are combusted, the sugars that are added to the tobacco produce a chemical, this chemical called acetaldehyde. Now, these newer uh, breathalyzer devices, they use the fuel cell technology that I said. Mm. They measure vaporized alcohol by detecting how much ethanol has been oxidized into acetaldehyde. So if you add more acetaldehyde into your into your lungs, your reading will actually probably go up. So smoke more cigarettes and your reading will go higher. So an absolute myth. All right, that's a myth. What about if you hyperventilate? This is the other one. You know, <laughs> breathe in and out before you do the breathalyzer and you'll beat it. Yeah, this is one of the more commonly used um, tricks to try and breathe the breathalyzer oh, test. I say the guards love it when there's some <laughs> it seems gobshite. Let's I be know. honest, it goes up. It seems yeah, I'm ready, guards. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem. Like, there, there, there was a, a decades-old study done on this one, Kieran, that hyperventilation and vigorous exercise uh, did lower your readings by as much as 10%. Now, uh, holding your breath can increase your readings on the, the breath alcohol test by up to 20%. Now, you, you, you mentioned it, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. It can make you lightheaded and gasping for air. So if you're sitting there hyperventilating on the side of the road about to do a breathalyzer test, <laughs> the guard there are going to look at you and think, okay, this guy or this girl is uh, way over the limit. So... Uh, you know, it's little use and uh, the, it doesn't really provide an accurate reading. So even with small breath samples, it doesn't really work. So, you know, maybe you're going to try and, I guess, decrease your chances of getting caught. But inevitably, all you're going to do is raise suspicions. So I wouldn't try it. All right. OK, you wouldn't try it. Uh, th th there's other ones, right? You, you mentioned some uh, mouthwashes. They can actually uh, cause a, a positive reading with some versions of the breathalyzer. Uh, there are suggestions that breath fresheners or breath mints that mouthwash, as I mentioned, that all of these can lower readings as well. Or, or, or there's a great one about sucking on a copper coin. I don't know where people come up with these things, to be honest, but they're interesting. And like the, the breath fresheners, gum, mint, sprays, Tic Tacs, whatever you want to, to use, uh, unsurprisingly, all they do is, uh, I guess, get rid of the odour of the alcohol from your breath. So they do not whatsoever change the amount of alcohol present in your breath. So it doesn't uh, reduce your readings. The copper coins one, this is mad. So uh, also completely false. But the idea was that if you placed a copper penny or any other form of currency under your tongue, it can affect uh, the amount. Other people use things like herbal formulas, charcoal pills, garlic, snake oil. Uh, but the idea was that the copper neutralizes the alcohol in your mouth and there, therefore lowers, lowers your blood alcohol uh, content value. Now, the, the air analyzed uh, comes from your lungs, not your mouth. So removing alcohol from your mouth i.e. using the copper coin, will not actually affect the results. 
And the big thing here is very few coins are made from uh, high concentrations of copper anymore. Uh, in fact, a lot of them are up to 97.5% zinc and only 2.5% copper. So you don't want to be filling your mouth with quite a few uh, copper coins in order for this to have wasn't any effect. It, wasn't it the old silver coin when they initially started to put copper in it, it, it? That was the problem that there was too much copper and not enough silver and the silver would rub off the nose of the king and King Henry VIII became copper nose. Wasn't that how they exactly. called him copper nose? Yeah, yeah exactly. He got the brown nose from the coin. Eating peanut butter. I love peanut butter. So like, I'm, I'm happy to sample this one to try it out. That's another uh, suggestion yeah. people have. Like you might love peanut butter, but unless you're willing to lather your lungs in peanut butter, right. I don't think this one is going to work. So uh, if you, so the high levels of sodium essentially in peanut butter um, will neutralize ethanol. It creates two byproducts, sodium ethoxide, also known as alkoxide and hydrogen gas. But the problem here, peanut butter travels from the mouth into your stomach, bypasses the lungs completely, which is where the air that uh, is tested uh, is about to come from. So uh, it, it eliminates mouth alcohol, but uh, really does not help for the for the blood alcohol okay. test. So not not one that's going to work either. So no smearing peanut butter in the lungs, no sucking on copper coins, breath fresheners, breath mints, none of that. I mean, there are other weird and wacky ones out there. Have, have you got a, a pick of the litter, your favourite wacky suggestion? There are some bizarre ones and actual uh, recorded cases of people trying these ones. So some people try to eat toilet paper and clothing that they think it might uh, get rid of the alcohol content right. in their mouths. Again, it's just in their mouths. Um, like diluting the contents of your stomach or consuming something absorbent slows the alcohol's diffusion from the stomach to the bloodstream but does nothing to change the amount of ethanol already dissolved in your blood so really it's not going to lower it in terms of a favourite uh, eating faeces uh, oh, has been Jesus. once mentioned so this is this is quite bizarre a, a man in Ontar Ontario and Canada tried this back in March 2005 uh, not only did he fail but he will now be remembered as the man who ate his own faeces in order to, to reduce the level uh, and it can cause unpleasant bowel quite, movements and quite. potentially fatal intestinal obstruction at the worst. So, so don't try it. And look, quite literally shit faced. <laughs> exactly. And you're supposed to be under observation for this for 15, 20 minutes by the guardie. So you're really just going, going to put yourself through some awful, awful torture if you think eating feces or toilet paper or clothing uh, is going to help. It really isn't. All right. Well, listen, as you said at the outset, the best way to beat the breathalyzer and the recommended way is not to drink in the first place. But but fact or fable, can you beat it using any of these home hacks? Yeah, I would say well, to people in, on this one this week, uh, definitely keep informed of how your body processes alcohol. These personal breathalyzer tests, as I've mentioned, don't use them as a definite go to figure, uh, but do use them to kind of gauge how well or how badly your body reacts and how the blood alcohol level reacts in your body uh, to drinking. Uh, so whether things like exercising, mouthwash, tic tacs, hyperventilating, eating feces help you beat it? Absolutely not. So, Kieran, 100% fable that you can beat the alcohol breathalyzer test. The only way to truly prevent it, as you said, is to not drink and drive. All right. Well, Shane, brilliant stuff as always. Shane Hannan there from Off the Ball. If you have any suggestions for topics for Shane to investigate, get them into us now via email, thehardshoulder at newstalk.com. Next week, Shane is going to be finding out whether or not eating carrots actually helps you see in the dark. So pay attention to all parents and all grown-up children out there as well who think that carrots maybe help you see in the dark. Shane is going to answer that question. Shane, thank you. 